Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose, like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch, follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch, head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. We're less than a month away from Philly Sketch Fest and tickets are now on sale including a full weekend pass. And since I'm a fan of custom URLs, go to myfirstsketch.com slash tickets. There might even be some promo codes hiding around the internet. Also at Philly Sketch Fest, we're hosting what we're calling the Podcast Mixer. On Saturday, June 1st at 2 p.m., we're going to head to Tattoo Mom on South Street. We'll grab some food, we'll grab some drinks, and we'll have two live podcast tapings, a live My First Sketch, And coming up from Washington, D.C., Bad Medicine will host a live Sketch Nerds. So come hang out before the shows that night and have a little extra fun. On the podcast today is Ellie Heath, currently a member of Girl Brain from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Girl Brain is coming to Philly Sketch Fest on Sunday, June 2nd. Ellie's first sketch is called Frenemies. Ellie reads the role of Gloria and I read the role of Amy. A bit of a warning, which I probably should have been doing this whole time, There is a bit of objectionable language in this sketch. Ellie and I actually talk about the use of that word during our chat, so let's go to the sketch. Two women at a soccer game cheering on their kids. Come on, Stasia, keep it up. Come on, Madison, get in there. They are doing so well this year. Stasia especially has come so far as a player. Maddie too, but honestly, anything is better than last year. The team was such a mess. Yeah, no thanks to your (laughs) ex-husband. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, I wasn't aware that Daryl's alcoholism was a secret. Isn't that the reason you divorced him? That's (gasps) really none of your business. And at least he volunteered, unlike your husband who does nothing but golf, eat bonbons, and suck the supple teat of your inheritance. I'm sorry. (laughs) How can your daughter even afford to be on this team? Last I checked, you don't have a job. Unless you get paid every time you get Botox. In that case, you'd be quite wealthy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) hi, Sharon. (laughs) She'd be a millionaire. Me and Madison deserve to be here just as much as anybody. We are respectable, classy ladies, which is more than I can say for Stasia. Oh, excuse me? My daughter carries this team and you know it. From what Madison tells me, that's not all she's carrying. Uh... Sorry, your daughter has chlamydia. That wasn't (laughs) very clear. I apologize. (laughs) Well, Madison is a miserable cunt. She is just jealous because no boy would touch her with a flaccid prepubescent dildo, let alone their poor excuse for genitalia. What did you just say? You heard me. One miserable cunt births another. (laughs) I mean, look at the both of you. You couldn't get paid to suck a dick if you tried. I I marvel at how a woman of your mousy coloring and lackluster personality could gold dig her way onto this team. Really, really, it's quite horrific for us all, dear. Don't call me dear, you patronizing slut. Just because you're 64 doesn't give you the right to act like my grandmother. Okay, all right, everybody, including you, knows I'm 45. You attended my birthday party last May. And try not to laugh the entire time at how pathetic the whole charade was. Oh, yeah, well, if I look so old, why did your son sext me a picture of his penis? Parker! Like father, like son. I'll rip your eyes out, you homewrecker. Hey, Ellie. Hey, how are you? All right, so tell me about this sketch. Tell me about Frenemies. Um, I wrote this sketch 
Oh man, I want to say like six years ago, um, for a sketch comedy troupe that I was in called Sweater Zeppelins. We were based out of Vancouver and it was also like Girl Brain, an all, well, it started off as an all-female troupe. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I was watching a lot of <laughs> reality TV at the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of based on the desperate housewives era, you know, passive aggressive women, uh, mothers just being bitchy to one another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, uh, these people are awful. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they're, these two characters. Yeah, they're they're not nice people, <laughs> and and they're definitely not nice to each other. <laughs> no, the the whole like idea of like frenemies and like and I I live in a small town right now, and I can I can just imagine that these two people live here, like oh. going to their their kids' games and like yeah. secretly hating each other and. trying to keep up appearances of it and sometimes it's not so secret though right like i i find yeah sometimes you hear conversations between people and uh it's so close to the surface that hatred for one another and uh yeah i guess that was kind of what i was trying to comment on that that like trying to hide it but you're not doing a very good job (laughs) no that like that very thin veneer of yeah not contempt because i'm not even going to try to like pretend that they're trying to be nice it's just slightly not contempt at the moment well yeah and i feel like they're really competitive and i mean this uh this happens occasionally with women where uh they're very competitive with one another but they're masking it by using their daughters, but it's not about their daughters. It's about them. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's kind of what I was trying to comment on. I don't know. Also too, it's just interesting because looking at my first sketch also led me to looking at all of my first sketches. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I had much more of an aggressive edgy, uh sense of humor back then like the fact that i used the c word uh in this sketch was i don't know it was um interesting to revisit that not that yeah, i take it lie. back not that i take it back no <laughs> when i opened up the the sketch and i read through it i was like oh <laughs> oh okay i this might be the first Maybe second (laughs) C-word? Well, you know, Um, I'm happy that I'm part of that legacy. Yeah. But also, Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's... it's when Yeah, whenever that comes out, like... Or, you know, any other word like that that's on that list of stuff, like... (laughs) It's always like, oh, okay. All right. Does this still happen? Like... Is this a, a is this a first sketch idea or do you still do this in your sketches? Um, I don't know. I uh, I think I am a pretty brash person, um, and I have a a a dark sense of humor and an edgy sense of humor. But I do feel like the evolution of me as a sketch writer has taken me away from using words like that because I, I do feel like uh, as much as I don't take back the sketch and I think it was a good first attempt Uh, I do feel like words like that kind of, there's like a, a, a chunk of the population that when hearing that word, they just immediately turn off. Yeah. Uh, or shut down and they're like, oh, okay. Especially in North America for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I feel like the evolution of me as a sketch writer, it's like, okay, do I need that word to tell the joke? No. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, in I I feel like in this context you could use any a ton of other Oh yeah. words to replace that. Like Oh yeah, for sure. That would be more clever, right? Like that uh Yeah, cuz I feel like uh taking that stance and saying a word like that, like that immediately just kind of turns off. And I mean, I know just just my sense of humor evolving away from that uh sketch and just in general um I don't know when I hear too many swear words or like off-putting words, I'm kind of like, okay, that's just, you're taking the easy way out. Like you could, you, you, what's the joke here? Is the joke about the C word or is the joke about something else? Cause if the joke is about something else, then you don't need the C word to tell it. Um, you know, you can find, you can find a more clever way of saying it. Yeah. And, and it's very like, especially in this sketch that there's not that much other like profanity in it. Like, no, you know, you can argue Dick, but like Some you go straight for, dick, you know, yeah. You go straight for like one of the hardest words that you can, <laughs> <laughs> that you can use. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And you yeah, know what? I, I, Sorry. I just wanted to say, I, I have no, I have no problems with the C word, like personally, if somebody uses it, uh, in conversation with me, it doesn't make me, I, I, I'm not alarmed or, or turned off by that word, but I understand that a lot of people are. And so I think when I wrote this sketch, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about other people's reaction to the word, mm. but at the same time, I have to say that uh, I would rather make comedy that's more accessible than comedy that's gonna make people feel alienated by the c word. Yeah, it's. I definitely think it. Like you can chalk it up to like that first attempt or that you know a very early attempt and not being so sure of how, like what your voice would be on stage. Like yeah, it was and 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 you say it was six years ago and like culture has changed oh yeah is evolving so quickly like it's interesting though um thinking about just how how things have changed and and uh there's a lot of subject matter that i feel like is is very sensitive and there's also lines that are um i don't know that you can skirt but you don't want to cross and yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh I've I've definitely had sketches where you write the sketch and then it's like, "Oh, actually, I don't think that this is accessible to everybody." Um and I think that uh, a large section of people might feel alienated if they saw this sketch. And so I don't know. Like it's a it's an interesting time for comedy because at at, at one time like you you obviously want to have your voice and your opinions heard, but at the same time and I think that this is all the decision of whoever the comedian is or the writer is. It's like, how, how far do you want to go? Who are you uh, alienating? Does any, Is anybody going to feel like they're being made fun of? Anyways, I feel like I'm rambling. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, like you never, you never want to put up a, you know, an hour long show and let one word or one word choice distract everything else that you've done. Right. And it's very possible with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Like I, uh, I feel like through doing comedy more and more, I've kind of learned that just for me personally, uh, if I'm going to write a scene or, or make a joke, uh, it has to be something that if somebody was offended by it, I would be willing to defend that word or that joke or that scene uh, to all ends of the earth, you know? And if, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not willing to do that, if I don't feel like I feel comfortable standing up for it, then it's not worth making. Right. For me. And even, even sometimes it's so exhausting to like, to have to defend something. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, is it worth the effort at that point? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so recently, uh, Girl Brain, the sketch comedy troupe that I'm in, we had one of our first um, 
out of town, I guess you could say like corporate gigs. <laughs> so, okay. so we were doing an event, uh, in Fairview, Alberta, which is Northern Alberta, uh, fairly, I'm going to guess conservative, uh, community. And, um, we were performing for a fundraiser for a local women's shelter. And I mean, we, so we perform monthly at this theater in Edmonton, Alberta called the grindstone. And it's like a fairly liberal venue. And a lot of the people that come to see us, like they're our built in audience and they know what we're about. And so they're super supportive of whatever direction we go. If it's edgy, if we swear, whatever. So this show in Fairview, uh, we kind of picked uh, our least offensive <laughs> sketches, uh, <laughs> cut out all the swear words, picked out picked out all the sketches that we thought would be universally appealing. And so we did the show. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, wasn't you know the same as like being at the Grindstone with all of our fans. It was. Uh, I thought it went well until the next morning when I woke up and went on Facebook and there was a review on our Facebook page and it was really negative and somebody had been offended by what I believe to be one of the least offensive sketches in our show. And oh no, it's this sketch about three young women uh, learning to put in tampons Okay. <laughs> and it's like, it's not much more than that. It's just like three young women uh, chatting with one another and trying to figure out how to put in a tampon. And, and honestly, uh, so, okay. So the scene ends with one of the young women accidentally putting the tampon up her butt. <laughs> okay. Which I mean, uh, legitimately happened to me in real life. Uh, nobody ever taught me how to put a tampon in and I didn't know where it was supposed to go. And when I stood up, I was like, something is wrong. <laughs> and yeah, was it a moment? Was it a dumb moment in my life? Was I uneducated on what I was doing completely, totally? Uh, but it happened. And so I wrote a scene about it. And this person in Fairview was really offended by it and said that we were demeaning and degrading women and that we were making women look stupid. And uh, I don't know where I started. I, I don't even know how this tangent started. Anyways, you can't please everybody. And sometimes in seeking not to offend people, you do offend people. Yeah, there, there's some times where like, especially when you're in a, a context like that, where you're not like, you know, when you're doing like a gig like that. Yeah. Like where it's not a, a team like, I, and it's going to sound rude to say that, but like they're not necessarily coming to see you, mm. you know, like no, you're weren't. there as part of a full platter of the evenings you know thing yeah um uh but like that's something that i've i've really been struggling with is that uh this idea that just because this one character does something stupid doesn't mean it's a representation of what that entire gender what that entire race can be yeah like that's something that's i'm really like playing with struggling with is like um the idea that like if a girl says something dumb, it's immediately like misogynistic to every woman ever. Like, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Like I, I, I would hope that an audience is smart enough to know that like, I'm just saying that this one specific person is doing or saying this dumb thing. Like, yeah, it's, or at least I'm trying to make it, trying to be aware of that. I totally get what you're saying. Um, so I had like a little bit of, so this like first sketch that we just read, I wrote for uh, Sweater Zeppelins. Uh, and then I, and so we were a group in Vancouver and then I moved back to Edmonton and I didn't do sketch comedy until Girl Brain formed. Um, and Girl Brain formed uh, like a little over a year ago. 
And so we were building up to our first show, which was actually a year ago. And uh, we had written all these sketches and I wrote this sketch called uh, Zero Fucks Left to Give. And it was this sketch about <laughs> like this two friends, they meet for brunch and one of them has bad news to share with her friend and her friend is on fuck watchers. So she's on this diet where she only has a certain amount of fucks to give in a day. And okay. so she has 10 fucks to give in a day. And by the time that they meet at 11 AM, she's already given up seven fucks on, on like <laughs> bullshit things like, you know, petty, dumb shit. And so she's got three fucks left to give before her friend. Well, so she's basically like, I, I can only care so much about your bad news. And so the joke of it was kind of like, okay, you know, I don't know, I guess about like all the petty shit that you kind of like give energy to and how you're tapped out by the time your friend actually has like bad news to share. But there was one point in the scene uh, and sorry, I'm going to go back and say, so we, before our first show at Grindstone, we were performing at this, uh, this thing in town called Odd Wednesday. And so at the, um, uh, debutante show, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So we were performing, uh, for Odd Wednesday and we were just doing a few sketches and it felt like a lot was on the line because this was one of our first performances for the public ever. And we had chosen zero fucks left to give because we thought it was like one of our best sketches. And there's a point in the scene where the friend uh, is trying to guess like what the, what the problem is and is like basically just being like, oh, is it this? Like, cause that's not a big deal. And is it this? Cause it's not, that's not a big deal. And basically the friend is just showing in this moment how ignorant she is. And so she's just making a lot of ignorant remarks. And one of the, one of the statements that she makes is like, oh, is, is one of your kids non-gender binary? Because that's super trendy right now. And so uh, this, you know, sort of like thing that I had come up with and I was like, oh, ha ha, like, wouldn't that be super ignorant if that person said that? That's kind of funny, whatever put it in the scene and somebody who was at the show left because they felt excluded and they felt like we were being mean girls and they were really offended by it. And, uh, the, one of the organizers of the event messaged me and let me know what had happened. And, uh, I don't know, like, I don't consider myself, uh, a mean spirited person. Like I, I feel like I'm pretty well intentioned and that joke to me was like kind of written offhand and didn't, it was more meant to enforce that the character was ignorant and that's why they gave up all of their fucks on, you know, stupid shit. And by the time that their friend told them that they were dying of cancer, they had no fucks left to give, but it hurt somebody. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like it, it, uh, sorry. I feel like I'm just like continuing to go on these long winded tangents. No, like, I think it's interesting cause we've really dove in like <laughs> really head first into a, a really like philosophical question about the state of comedy yeah. right now, which I love. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's just so hard. Like it, it's definitely hard, especially when you want to write, you know, a terrible person character. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, be very hopeful that people don't think this is your actual view mm -hmm. coming through. Like, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's such a tight rope at times. And unfortunately you're not going to win every battle. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think that taking like, <laughs> Being a comedian, you're putting your sense of humor, uh, you know, front and center. And and while it is your opinion, sometimes p 
people misread, like as you were saying about uh, if you make a woman, if you make a woman a stupid character in a scene to get across your point, some people are going to be, uh, they're going to, they're going to pay attention to the stupid woman character and they're not going to get the point of the scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, no, that's not, but I wasn't trying to make a point about all women being stupid. Just this woman needed to be stupid in this scene to get my point across or like, or she just so happened to be like, I don't know that. Yeah. Because that woman character in that scene was dumb. Doesn't mean that I think that all women are dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, but I don't know. That's, that's the challenge. That's the challenge of, and especially, I don't know, people, I feel like, uh, emotions are really high just in general, uh, in in the climate of this world that we live in. And I feel sometimes people can get, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways. Yeah, I don't think we're going to solve anything. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> not going to solve anything. But I think uh, that being said, like I, I, I hated to, f- I hated that somebody felt um, excluded or alienated by something that I wrote. And I was, it's, it, it was a, it was a learning experience, but at the same time, it was, it was a good thing to happen kind of at the start of things to kind of think to myself, okay, is that a hill that I want to die on? No, 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 I don't want to die on that hill. I don't want people to walk away from the comedy that I write feeling shitty about themselves ever. And that's me. Like, I mean, every yeah. comedian is different. I, I think for the most part, a lot of comedians, you know, a, a majority is going to not want to feel, have people feel shitty after they leave for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, um, so yeah, let's, let's go back to the beginning then, because I mean, we've, Dove into a lot there. Uh, Heavy. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, so, no, it, I love it. I absolutely love it. I wasn't expecting it, but let's do Me it. Me neither. Um, Just like I think, I think it was on. Honestly, it's been on my mind because uh, of that situation that happened in Fairview. It's really been on mm-hmm. my mind this last week. So <laughs> there you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> what were you into growing up? What made you laugh? Uh, oh, I loved Ace Ventura. Um, yeah. Uh, Another really problematic movie when you look back at it now. <laughs> as, as a lot of comedy is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Weird Al. Oh, man. UHF growing up, like UHF was a mm-hmm. classic in my household. Uh, Steve Martin. Love Steve Martin. Yeah. Uh, I I am very weird. I absolutely love Steve Martin. Yeah. Like why is that weird? But but there's certain movies of his I've never seen. Like? And I like uh I've never seen The Jerk. I've never seen The Jerk either. I own The Jerk. Well, you should, I've never watched it. You should probably after this conversation go and watch it. Like I, I'm looking at the DVD case. Like it's in my view right now. So why um, do you own it if you've never watched it? Oh, I went through a phase where I just bought DVDs oh, like nonstop. Okay, but like my big one for Steve Martin growing up was Dirty Round Scoundrels. Oh yeah, like and yeah, like the, that that scene where he like pees himself <laughs> with wearing the eye patch and everything is like the height of my childhood comedy. For like he is so. He's so funny, but also so versatile. Like, do you know all? The, like, I, I'm actually a really big fan of his writing. Um, yeah, and he's he's written some. Like, I mean, I I just uh, read uh, Born Standing Up. Mm-hmm. But before that, like Shop Girl is a really beautiful book, and like not not a funny book. No, no, it's uh, absolutely like Shop Girl the book and the movie are both like 
I think they're both like saddled by being like Steve Martin and you, you expect, you know, Steve Martin of the jerk and all those other yeah. broad comedies, not this very wistful, like yeah. elegant storytelling. Yeah, totally. But I love that. Like, I love that he can transcend uh, different genres and also like different kinds of art too. I mean, apparently he's an amazing musician Mm, he is. Uh, and also an an avid art collector too. And he wrote a he wrote a book about um auction like art auctioneers in New York and there was all this art history interlaid into the uh the plot and then it, it was it was really amazing and beautiful. And I think that's so cool that he uh Yeah. He's so talented. Yeah, I saw I saw him uh because he and Martin Short do a live show okay. that they've been touring with. Oh my goodness. And I saw it last summer okay. and like it's fantastic. I think there's a version of it up on, on Netflix now. <gasps> okay, well that they released. You'll be watching So the that's jer- what you're doing yeah. after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah, legitimately. Actually, yeah, I think they were in Edmonton this summer and uh and I I don't know how I didn't I, I, I didn't find out about it until like months after the fact. So yeah, it they they've been through when they played theaters that are really expensive, and they actually yeah. played at like an outdoor amphitheater setting here in Philadelphia last year, and like tickets were so much cheaper. That I was like, I have to. Yeah. And this is me being a terrible person. I missed my cousin's wedding because of it. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I got the invite to the wedding. I was like, I have Steve Martin tickets. I'm I'm sorry. No. How close are you with sorry. your cousin? Not very close anymore. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Like. Yeah. Like I should feel worse than I do, but I don't really feel that bad. Um Yeah, so okay. Uh so then I mean, you mentioned being in a sketch comedy group in Vancouver. Yeah. So how do you get introduced to sketch comedy? How do you get started? Honestly, the way that I got introduced to sketch comedy was a total fluke. Um I was so I moved to Vancouver. And then I came back to Edmonton for the summer because Vancouver was very expensive and I was in debt and I needed to save some money. And I came back to Edmonton and I was like, Kate, I want to do something this summer artistic. And so I posted on Facebook and I was like, Hey, I, uh, I want to do a show this summer. And in Edmonton, we have like a really good festival scene. So there's a lot going on in the summer and uh, a lot of it is really self-directed and, and uh, indie stuff. And so I just like put a call out on Facebook and was like, I want to be involved in something. If anybody wants me to do their project, just let me know. And one of my good friends and mentors messaged me and said, hey, uh, these two people are doing a variety slash sketch comedy show if you want to be a part of it. And... I was just thinking like, I come from a theater background. So I was just thinking like, I want to act in something, but it's like, okay, this sounds really interesting. It was a local musician and a a friend of mine that I went to theater school with. And so I messaged her and said, Hey, if you're looking for somebody, I want to be involved. And she's like, okay, yeah, that'd be great. Like if you want to write for us, that would be awesome. And I hadn't ever, like I, I, before actually, before I went to theater school, I really wanted to become a writer, but I had never written anything that was put on stage. And so for her to ask me to write some sketches and stuff for the show was very exciting, but also incredibly scary. And so the three of us, my friend and this local musician and I, we put on a show called Call Me a Liar. And so it was a sketch show, but with music intertwined. And it was so fun. And I think just because it wasn't involved in, it was a, it was a little bit removed from theater. I didn't really have any expectations of where it was going to go. I was just kind of involved as a fun, creative project over the summer. But it was a big hit. Like it's, it, uh, it was involved in two festivals in Edmonton that summer and we sold out both runs and had like rave reviews and it was just 
crazy to me because it was this thing that I had never really considered before and it worked out really well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, and then moving back to uh, Vancouver. Yeah. So I moved. How do you get hooked up with the sweater Zeppelin? So in Vancouver, I was uh, trying to break in as an actor and not having much success at all. Uh, it was really hard and I was feeling defeated and my friend who I had written, uh, call me a liar with was also in town and feeling the same way. And then I had another friend who was, uh, trying to break in as a screenwriter and feeling the same way. And so my friends and I, we were just kind of like, well, why don't we just do something of our own? You know, like, why are we waiting around to get an agent, to get auditions? Like, let's just take control of this. Um, and so we got together and we produced a show. And it went really well. However, <laughs> at that same time, uh, my career as in theater was sort of taking off, but was taking off in Edmonton, not in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm thinking about moving back to Edmonton. And so we produced one show in Vancouver and then we got into a festival in Edmonton. And as we got into that festival in Edmonton, I was also moving back to Edmonton which was kind of okay. So that's that, that stay with the, the sweater Zeppelins didn't last very long in Vancouver. Well, I mean, we did our show, we did our, our show in Edmonton and then we did a couple shows the next spring. And I was like, I, I had sort of made a pact to go back if we were going to do shows, but I wasn't there. So I wasn't as invested. And then it just kind of, yeah, it dissolved. Hmm. Yeah, like the internet's great that you can help try to work remotely, but at a certain point, I do feel like it does kind of break down. Well, yeah. Because that's not the first time I've heard this, like of trying to work between two cities and traveling back and forth for certain shows. And at a certain point, all all those stories end like yeah. you miss one and then you miss another one and then it just starts like, like fizzling. Yeah, well, and to um, one of the members one of the original members, like I, I, I think that it was just too, too much. And she wasn't necessarily a performer. And I think, uh, that it was a little bit overwhelming to get up on stage with her material. And so she dropped out and then we got another member and that was great. And then they got another member when I moved back to Edmonton and then it just kind of like it started as the sweater zeppelins and the sweater zeppelins is like a a stupid kind of like term for boobs and yep. we were like okay well you know it's an all women troop this is kind of kitschy and fun but then all of a sudden it's like two men and two women it's like well this name isn't really serving us anymore <laughs> <laughs> and uh i don't know it just uh yeah it it's, it wasn't, it wasn't what it was originally supposed to be. So mm. I think that was kind of what killed it. And it didn't end in a negative way. Um, it just kind of fizzled out slowly. Yeah. It just ran its course. Exactly. Um, okay. So then how did uh, girl brain become uh, a thing? Girl brain became a, a thing in a very similar way to how Sweater Zeppelin started. Um, so my friend Kaylee, who you talked to, she moved, mm -hmm. she had just recently moved back from San Francisco and, uh, yeah, I was hanging out with Allison and Kaylee when Kaylee moved back and we were all just kind of chatting about, being actresses in Edmonton and how hard it is. And I had recently had some like really big gigs that I thought were going to, you know, pay my way. Like I was like, okay, I've 
you know, I played the lead role in this big theater. I'm just going to be an actress now. I don't have to serve anymore. I don't have to pay my dues. Like my acting career is made. And that was a pile of bullshit. And, (laughs) you know, I auditioned for like 30 things the next year and got, got one of them and didn't even really get it. I got it because the girl who originally got it uh, got pregnant, <laughs> so she couldn't do it. Oh, no. Um, and I think it was just that realization of like, okay, we have no control over this career that we've chosen. And we're all incredibly talented. But at the same time, the three of us were all uh, Caucasian, brunette women in our, you know, early thirties. And it was kind of like, okay, so if we audition against each other, one of us is going to get the part, but the other two aren't, you know, like it's, it was just one of those things where I'm like, I am so done with this. I want to act. I want to perform. We're all very talented. And like, I have written with Kaylee before I had written with Allison, our other member before. And I'm like, we're all good writers. We're very talented performers. Let's get together and do something. And, uh, I had already done sketch comedy and I was like, like, I really like the, I like writing for sketch comedy because it doesn't feel like there's so much on the line. Like you're just writing short scenes. So if you have an idea, you don't have to flesh it out for 60 pages. Like let's just like, compress that idea and write it in two pages and make it a funny skit. And so we decided to do girl brain. Uh, where does the name girl brain come from? Girl brain is actually a phrase that Kay- Kaylee is like, <laughs> Kaylee's so hilarious. She has like her own language. Um, and she has little phrases that she uses and she uses them like everybody else should know what they are. Uh, but we're all like, okay, I've never heard of that before. Um, but Kaylee always used to say, you know, if she was kind of getting a little in her head, she'd be like, oh, I have girl brain right now. And, uh, when we were initially deciding on what the name of the sketch group was going to be, it's like, why don't we do girl brain? Cause girl brain can be so many different things, you know, like it, it can be that like getting in your head and feeling a little crazy about things, but it can also just be like, fuck, you know, women are smart. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a name that is immediately like evocative of what you expect. Yeah. To me at least like, which I like. Yeah. And it felt, it felt pretty perfect to just for the subject matter that we discussed. I mean, a lot of, a lot of like deciding to do a sketch comedy troop was that when the three of us would hang out together we would talk about our experiences and so much of what we were talking about was very similar and very funny to us and so it was like well why don't we just write scenes about this and sketches about this because we all find this hilarious and we're in a you know a very specific part of our lives and we're sharing this together so why don't we share this with other people who are in this specific part of their lives anyways yeah yeah uh could you like uh describe what you like the essence of what a girl brain show would be yeah i think it's uh full of love uh empowering um one one soundbite that I got from somebody who was in the audience was they said that it, it felt like they were watching a conversation that they would have with their best friend. Oh, nice. And I loved that. I loved that because that's how, that's how it feels performing it because I'm performing it with my two best friends. But I think a lot of it is just, uh, yeah, performing things that are going on in our lives and kind of like destigmatizing uh, things that women go through or young women go through, like putting it, you know, putting in a tampon. 
<laughs> so uh you guys went to toronto we did last month how did that go for you it was amazing it was so great um i have to say our first performance so we shared so we did two shows and they were double billings and our first show we did with uh, john and ian have something to tell you from philadelphia yeah yes and like i i guess I, I can't speak for other members in the group but i was so nervous and it was our our legitimate first performance out of edmonton and it felt like there was a lot on the line uh and john and ian like that show was so funny it was so <laughs> funny and the audience ate it up and i ate it up like i was peeing my pants <laughs> but it was so, so vastly different from what we do. And there were moments in the show where I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this audience is going to hate us. We are <laughs> like, we are not this show. We are not this show. And this is awful. And I was so nervous. And then we got up to do our show and the audience loved us and it was great. And it was different. But it was just as well received. And it was just, I don't know, it was really great to to kind of be like, okay. Like one thing that I'm finding out, and one thing that I think I especially realized when we were at Toronto Sketch Fest was that every sketch troupe is so different and has such a unique sense of humor. And I guess it it's similar to like stand-up comedians and stuff. It's like everybody has a different point of view. And it was just yeah. nice. It was nice to watch everybody succeed. Um and to be like, you know what? It's not it's not I don't know, it's not worthwhile to compare what this group brings or what that group brings to what we do because we all do what we do differently. And like, yes, there are definitely ways that you can be inspired by different groups, but it doesn't make you any better or worse. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like there, there's not really much competition between sketch troops, like, or at least there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be right. Yeah. Like you're going to get that one random troop that gets a show on, some channel on tv but like yeah. other than that we're you know we're all in this together let's let's be cool to each other yeah um and we were lucky enough uh we before we went were because we were an out-of-town group we were offered or we were asked to co-host this brunch and it was it was called like the a road trip brunch and so there was uh a comedian from Toronto and us co-hosting it. And we were, we were freaking out before this brunch because we didn't know what was expected of us. And like, we're all kind of like high strung um, people pleasing types. And we were like, Oh my gosh, do we have to perform at this? And what are we supposed to do? And what is like, we want to do a good job. And I had a, I had a feeling like, well, we just show up and, and like get to know people, <laughs> mm. which that was what was expected of us. Like just, you know, <laughs> show up, eat some eggs, Benny, and like chat with people. Uh, but it was honestly, like, I feel really lucky that we were uh, asked to do that and included in that because we met so many different groups uh, and there was a really communal vibe at the festival because of that. And as nervous as we were going into it, I feel like that was a really great foundation to take us through the rest of the festival because then it really felt like when we were going to see people's shows, we knew them and we, I don't know, just speaking for myself, like I I really felt like, oh, I met this person today. Like I'm supporting them. It just, I don't know. It was, it just, it felt really, it was a nice festival. I I had a really good time. Very cool. Uh, we skipped over something that I, I always ask, especially when I talk to Canadians. Um, yeah. Uh, is there something of Canadian culture, like pop culture, some you know TV show, band, you know anything? I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, 
but something that's distinctly Canadian that you would recommend that maybe Americans don't know about? Like, oh my gosh. Um, well, yeah, I, I, and I, I don't know, honestly, I just through having conversation with people that I know a lot of people in Canada that should know about this, don't know about it, but the show Baroness von sketch, Mm. um, is filmed in Toronto and they, they do, they do this particular sketch about like lake, lake life in Ontario that I think is so hilarious. Um, and I mean, I assume that there are lakes everywhere, but just like their, their series of lake life sketches are hilarious, but also just that show in general, I think is, is so good. And I know it was on Netflix Canada and I think, uh, it was picked up by the, um, it it definitely aired on one of our channels down here. Yeah. I want to see IFC. Is that it? I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, but that is like something that I'm just like this, this stands up against all of the comedy that I've watched and it makes me really proud that it's a Canadian produced show. And then I always ask as well. Um, yeah. and I, and I don't know how much, you know, Saturday Night Live you guys watch up there yeah. or get, or, you know, what trickles up, but do you have a favorite cast member from Saturday Night Live? Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, Bill Hader, specifically mm-hmm. his Stefan sketches. That is probably if I'm going to distill down my sense of humor into a series of sketches, that is it. That is just like the funny, if I ever feel like I need to pee my pants laughing, <laughs> I just like put on the best of Stefan. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Bill Hader, I, I tell you all the time, whenever he comes up, like one of his first sketches on the show, uh, was his impression of Al Pacino. <laughs> I haven't seen that. And it was uh, Al Pacino checking his bank balance. Yeah. Where he was just calling a rep from a bank <laughs> and asking what was in his checking account and what was in his saving account. And it's the dumbest premise. It's entirely on the strength <laughs> of his characterization of Al Pacino. Yeah. But it makes me laugh to no end where he's like, uh, I think Kristen Wiig's like the the rep on the phone. Oh my god! And, and she's like, "Well, you have twenty dollars in your check-ins account, and you have seven million in your savings." He's like, "All right, well, I'll take forty from the savings and put it in the check-ins." Like, oh my god! Like, just transferring these little like, how much does like, how much do you think this costs? Like, it's I, it's, it's I, know, I loved it. It's so great. I like I, yeah. I like the Bill like, haters awesome. What you said about it's just so dumb. And honestly, I feel like the things that bring me the most joy in comedy and in writing it and performing it and also watching it are just (laughs) things that are so silly and dumb and things that it's like you would have created this premise if you were a kid on the playground or if you were in your basement playing with your friends when you were a kid, like things that make me feel that way and make me feel that kind of joy. That's what I find so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love dumb. Like <laughs> dumb is so. as I get older, my, my love for dumb comedy gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just when you're like, Oh my goodness. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's awesome. Like there was a, so in Edmonton, there was a competition on Wednesday. Um, and there was like a, all this, well, a bunch of the sketch troops in Edmonton participated. And one of the sketch troops, <laughs> there was a three minute stint where there was a, an invisible strip tease to sweet okay. cherry pie. And for the entire song, the scene, like the stage was empty because it was, a, you know, like a, a ghost stripper or whatever uh, performing. And the whole song played through and there was like flashy lights and stuff. And I think the entire song was just filled with laughter of like people being like, what is happening? <laughs> Is this happening? Am I actually just watching an empty stage with sweet cherry pie 
and accepting that there's an invisible stripper on stage right now. Is this happening? And I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds great. Like, <laughs> for sure. Um, we got deep to begin with, with, yeah, we did. you know, a philosophical about <laughs> words and phrases and everything. Yeah. Uh, but what's something that you've learned from comedy that you would pass on to a new writer? Um, one thing that I've learned is that when you're writing a sketch, just to be aware of what the joke is, what you're trying to say and anything that doesn't serve that joke doesn't need to be there. Uh, that, that is one thing that I've learned. I think one thing that I've learned really, uh, personally is that the comedy that I want to write I want it to be accessible to everybody. And I also enjoy comedy that, that has a positive outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Positivity is not like, you know, there's just so much crap happening. Like yeah, everything's so depressing and the news <laughs> is just awful. And yeah, I mean, to go to a comedy show and like be bummed out afterwards. Yeah. Feels so, so unnecessary. Totally. And also too, I just feel like negativity has this way of like, even if it's a small little seed of it in what you're doing, it's so loud. It's so loud. And it, I don't know. I see this a lot when I go to see stand up stuff, just like, I just shut down when I, mm. when somebody starts going negative, it makes me want to shut down. I feel like negativity just squashes the energy. Whereas like positive positivity and like positive, you know, ideas and, and humor, it just keeps going. I yeah. don't know. I want people to feel good uh, when they laugh at a joke. Yes. I, I think that's, like fairly admirable for sure. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, you mentioned a bit about like taking back, you know, a sense of your own, like, or at least having your own autonomy and, a, you know, a creative outlet since, you know, auditioning can be such a hassle and a drag and, yeah. you know, auditioning for three things and getting one, but <laughs> having this outlet is, you know, a positive for you. Yeah. Uh, why comedy? Why is comedy how you spend your time? And now you're traveling internationally. Yeah. We'll say, since you're going to come to Philadelphia, like, why is comedy the way you want to use your life? Um, honestly, like, I'm quite an anxious person. And I don't always feel super happy when I wake up in the morning. And, you know, adulthood... Being being alive in the world can be challenging at times. Um but laughter man laughter is is the best gift. I think like uh comedy is a really good way to deal with hardship, to deal with the injustices of life and uh in the world and it's really helped me work through a lot of stuff in my own life. But at the end of the day, like, you know, life is, doesn't last that long and you only get one. So how do you want to spend it? And honestly, I want to spend my life laughing with, with close friends. That's how, yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I think so too. And like as, some, as something horrible is happening in your background, but that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I live I live uh, downtown in Edmonton, and there are a lot of uh, sirens. There's a siren right now. Um, yeah, that's fine. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds <laughs> wonderful, and I can't wait for you guys to come to Philly. Oh my gosh, we're so excited! Can I just say I've always wanted to go to Philadelphia. I don't know why. <laughs> um, well, no, and I'm not saying that in a in a shitty way. Like I, uh, but it's always been on my radar, and <laughs> and I'm really excited to go. We'll take it for sure. I'm gonna eat a Philly cheesesteak and sing the opening song of Fresh Prince of Bel Air the, <laughs> the whole time. 
And I'm sure you've never heard either of those references to Philadelphia. Never. You're like, get right. you're not coming. <laughs> we don't want you. <laughs> no, you're still coming. Okay. Yeah, we're coming. Get ready. <laughs> Ellie and the rest of Girl Brain are coming to Philly Sketch Fest at Underground Arts on Sunday, June 2nd. But if you're in their hometown of Edmonton, Girl Brain will be appearing at Grindstone Comedy Festival on May 9th as part of Sketch NATO, and then May 12th, sharing the bill with Mike Delamont. Then, their monthly show returns to the Grindstone Theater on May 17th and 18th with a Mother's Day theme. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.